Let's pick up in Luke chapter 4. Now, our point tonight is, is to look at where the strength comes from. Because when disciples decide and, and determine and discipline themselves, they want to be like the master. They want to follow the one they've determined to follow. We believe there's even a deeper thing for you and I, and that's a calling. They want to follow. One of the greatest tragedies is when disciples follow on their own strength, and they don't recognize where their strength comes from. And so let's consider Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. And we're going we're gonna to be in Luke, and then we're going to settle into John for quite a few verses. So I'm going to pick up the pace a little bit. Um, you may want to write some notes down if you can, or I, I have all these. I've got them. I just make you a copy of a whole, everything we'll go over tonight if you want to then review it again later on your own. But in Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So we can clearly see that Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, was led by the Spirit. And so that's very fascinating because, you know, once again, sometimes there's this initial perception that, that Jesus was, was a man who just was so dialed up with the Father that he lived in perfection of a human power because he, he's God in flesh. He has to, be, has to be fully flesh. He, he can't be walking this earth in a super suit. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, how can he die for your sins and my sins if he's so empowered or so built that he could just conquer everything? It's kind of like at the drag races and you line up this little Volkswagen, box stock 65 Volkswagen with nothing but putt-putt. And on the other side is a top fuel dragster. And you go, ready, go. The top fuel dragster wins. Like, wow, why did it win? It, it, it wasn't the same. He's not that top field dragster. You see what I'm saying? Did you catch that? He, there has to be, according to Hebrews, that he went through everything that we went through and did not sin. And so, but how did he do it? He was empowered by the Spirit. The Bible's very specific that the, the power that raised him from the dead is, is the power that carried him through. So here we see he was, he was filled with the Spirit and then led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. Glance now over to verse 14, same context. Um, he, after he was led to come back from the time in the wilderness, um, then he, as he's back, the devil's gonna, actually that's where the devil had already tempted it, but in verse 14 as we pick up, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out through all the surrounding region. So, you see, he returned in the power of the Spirit. It's really fascinating because we're going to walk through the relationship that's in, in, in given to us or offered to us in the sense of power. In Romans chapter 8, let me read to you verse 11. Romans 8, verse 11 since the spirit of him, and New King James reads, but if the spirit, and it's conveying, if the, the, since the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Do, do you see what we're, we're unveiling and what we're uncovering? That the same power that raised Jesus from the dead 
indwells you when you're born again, the person of the Holy Spirit, the tri-unity of God. It's another question people ask. It's driven by some cults and false teaching that the word Trinity is not in the Bible. Have you ever heard that argument? The word Trinity is not in the Bible. Well, the triunity of God is declared frequently and often in various places, Old and New Testament. So you may be looking for that word, which is, you know, the center point of the Nicene Creed, if you've read that from the Council of Nicaea and how they give this summary of the, the core of Christian belief. But anyway, I'm not going to go all there. Bring it back to this. The triunity of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowered Jesus to fulfill the will of the Father. And that same person, the Holy Spirit, is the one who dwells within us when we're born again. Let's go now to John 14, and, and we're going to go through several verses in, in John 14 um, and 16. So in John chapter 14, let's look at verses 15 through, through 17. Jesus now, at this point, we've looked at this passage the last few weeks, uh, this section, because it's where... He's encouraging his disciples. He's come alongside them. He's preparing them for the crucifixion, quite honestly. It, it's, it's coming, and he's helping them you know, kind of understand who he is and what's going to happen. And he says in verse 15 of John 14, If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Um, I would just mention right now, because I've said it already, you have Jesus speaking of the Father and the Holy Spirit in this passage here. You see it frequently, the tri-unity of God. But what we have here in the flow of our study and what we're looking at tonight is Jesus is saying... I, the. So i got to make sure we understand this. Their reality, their life reality is unique and different than yours. And here's why it is. They lived on that side of the cross. You live on this side of the cross. They lived as men, as people, disciples, who were, were going with him, but they're going to the cross. So now when he's speaking to them how something, and that something's going to happen, the helper will come because he hasn't been glorified yet. He hasn't went to the cross. And so they're now hearing about this thing to come, this experience, this relationship. The helper, the uh, parakletos is the word, it's one who comes alongside. It was like, he's going to be me to you, so to speak, is what Jesus was saying to them. But they're talking like you and I talk in the sense of Jesus is speaking to them eye to eye, face to face, walking down the dusty roads together. He says, it's going to change. Things are going to change. And that, that didn't happen for you and I because we didn't live on that side of the cross. We live on this side of the cross. He says, this person, notice verse 17, the Holy Spirit is a person. It's not a power it's not an it, it's not an essence. The Holy Spirit, he is a person. And it says there very specifically, because the world neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. See, they're getting it a little bit. 
they could reflect back. He, he, I'm sure Jesus spoke far more than what we know, far more than we have recorded. John says that if everything he did and said was put into books, there wouldn't be not enough books in the world, enough libraries in the world to contain the books that, were, that he had written. So in other words, he taught probably about the person of the Holy Spirit many times. He was teaching them. He's with you. you know. And so here's you know, the disciples, they're learning, but he says he's with you, and this person, the Holy Spirit, will be, will be in you. So there's a coming experience for them, something that's very fascinating as we're going to unfold that as we go along. Moving along here, we just move over to verses 25 to 29. In verses 25 through 29, it's a continuation, really, of the, of the conversation. These things I've spoken to you while being present with you. But, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, once again, Jesus speaking about the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your, your remembrance all things that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. I, you heard me say to you, I'm going away and coming back to you. If you love me, or you can see since you love me, you would rejoice because I said I'm going to the Father for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe. I went to 29 for that last statement. He told us these things so that when it does come to pass, you may believe. It's interesting. You can apply that principle and that truth to what we call eschatology, the end times chronology, the way things are unfolding here in these last days. He's told us that things will happen before they happen. So when they happen, you will believe what's happening. Because he's told you it's going to happen ahead of time. Here he's saying, listen, you guys, I want you to know this before it takes place. The, the, notice what the role, we looked at this last week, the Holy Spirit, the helper, you know, he will, he'll bring to your remembrance all the things that I said to you. Remember earlier I was saying, you pray. And when you, I'm most, I, I think if you've been a Christian very long, you, you've experienced this. Where you've read something and you went away and you wonder if you have any retention whatsoever. You're not even sure what you read. You're kind of maybe even having to say, what did I read this morning? You can't remember chapter and verse hardly. But then you'll be in a conversation or engagement or interaction with somebody, and they'll say something, and you'll just rattle off. Oh, yeah, I read that. I was reading this morning. And then you're now bringing to remembrance. Well, is it because you have such great recall? No, you already concluded you don't have good recall earlier in the day. But he brings to your remembrance. God actually brings to the forefront of our mind. And, and, and we're just amazed. We walk away going, wow, that's so cool that I remembered that. Yeah, that's awesome. It's even more cool that he brought it to your remembrance. Because it reminds you that it's, it's personal. It's so close, so intimate. that it, He doesn't say, well, if you've, been, if you've studied the whole Bible and read the whole Bible, then I'll, I'll bring parts of it out. No, load the library of your mind that the Holy Spirit may pull it off the shelves and use it as a point to encourage someone and encourage you at the same time. It's so amazing. We, there's so many dynamics to the relationship with Christ that I know just regular life, we just stop, don't stop long enough and go, you know, I, I think that was God. I actually think that God actually gave me that recall because I don't know where my car keys are. 
I mean, I, I'm just, you know, just being real life honest. Like, wow, this is so cool. Let's jump over, still the same flow, and then actually we're going to stay, we're going by topic. So we're going to go to John 16, just over a little bit. And we're going to look um, at, a, at a few verses here. I actually want to pick up in verse uh, 7. And we'll go through verse 14. So he's speaking of the Holy Spirit. And he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, Jesus talking to his disciples. It's to your advantage that I go away, for if I did not go away, the helper will not come to you. Where's he going away to? The cross, to the grave, to the resurrection. We know afterwards that one of the women had come to him after he had risen from the dead. And he said, do not cling to me, for I am what? I have not yet been glorified. So there's a fascinating thing that happened with this group of people that's very unique, but we can learn from it. So anyway, he says here, verse 8, And when he, speaking of the Holy Spirit, has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, this is the one sin you've got to deal with, as I've already talked about, because they do not believe in me. God's not going to get into details about all the other dark and dirty deeds. No, there's just one thing. Who do you say that I am? That's the first thing. Now, does we still, in relationship with him, the Bible tells us that we will give an account for what we've done with what he's given us. So in the relationship, father to son, father to child, we will give an account. In other words, we'll... We'll, we'll, be, we'll be at a judgment seat, but it's, it's not the same one. We're seeing here now in verse uh, 10 of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. So it, it's righteousness that's his righteousness, not based on our ability to be righteous, of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However... When he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, and whatever he hears he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. So we see Jesus teaching about the role and the person of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. He's teaching his disciples. Let's take a glance. Now from here... We're going to move over to John chapter 20, and we're going to look in verses 19 to 22. In John chapter 20, it says in uh, verse 19, now this is after... The, the crucifixion and the resurrection has taken place, the empty tomb, they've been to it. The same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, when the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst of them and said, peace to you. Uh, we'll get to the main thrust, the key point of this passage, but I wanted to mention this here because it gives us a glimpse of, of what they're going through. You know, they have followed Jesus. They're disciples. They have it kind of sorted out in their head. They've seen powerful things done. He's fed thousands of people miraculously. He's walked on water. He's interrupted the religious system. But they're hiding for fear of the Jews because their leader 
was crucified and brutally displayed as dead and put in a tomb. And, and things just went upside down. And so they locked themselves in this secure place, it seems. But it says that Jesus came and stood in the midst of them. One of their passages says that he just passed through the doors. Verse 20, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the, then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Have you ever needed him to say, peace be with you? Most of us have. And for whatever re- reason, fear creeps in. And, and he always meets us there. And he'll say, shalom, my... I got this. Peace be with you. It goes on in verse 21. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you. Why would he say it again? Because they're still shaken. Or maybe they just calmed down from a little bit of shaking. But if he literally come through the door, like passed into the room, there's a little freak out factor there as well. You're like, duh. You know, because even when they seen him walking on water, you remember? They're like, is it a ghost? They're trying to figure out because some of the natural laws are being broken. And, and how could it be if it's a human? How could he do this? And how could he be this? And he says, peace to you. As the Father sent me, I also send you. Real quickly, if you put undue expectations on yourself, you will always look at your failures. And you always want to see God's perspective. He did not say, listen, you guys, how long have you been following me? Seriously, I've walked on water. I've rose from the grave. Get a life and pay attention. He doesn't rebuke them. He just says, okay, guys, listen, get this. Calm down. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. The Father sent me. I'm going to send you. He's still nurturing them. And when he said this, verse 22, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. They didn't get personal power to forgive or remove sin or say it's okay. When they received the Holy Spirit, we're told that the Holy Spirit would guide them in all truth and bring to their remembrance the things that Jesus said. So they are now declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're telling, they'll go forward and they'll just declare how a person can be saved. They don't have the power, as some have erroneously taught, that the early disciples had the power to decide which sins to forgive. That doesn't fit the context. They're totally empowered by God. They're walking with God, filled with the Holy Spirit, walking according to what we've already seen, the Holy Spirit's leading and empowering. Now I want to go to, from there over to Luke. And um, there's a, it's a longer passage, but let's look at Luke 24. And we're going to come back. Don't forget what we just seen. You know, they received the Holy Spirit. Not really backtrack. It's in the same chronology. Uh, but in Luke 24, beginning in verse 36, a little bit of the same story. Um, now, as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit or a, a manifestation, an emanation, a ghost perhaps. And he said to them, why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? Can you hear him saying that to you? I hope you can because it's words of comfort and, and you know, good deep questioning. Why, why are you troubled? Why do, you, why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. 
When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still, not, they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, Have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate in their presence. What a patient teacher. What a wonderful master. That's just, he's very patient. These are, these are the top guys. Are you tracking with these are the top guys? They've been with him for like three years. They've seen all this work. They've heard his teaching. He's told them about the crucifixion. He's told them every, I'm going to Jerusalem. This is what's going to happen. I'm going to be betrayed. And I will rise from the, on the third day I'll rise. He's told them all of this. And yet they were still afraid. When the natural mind says, you guys of all people should not have been afraid. God never says that. God just meets them where they're at. Jesus says, even behold, my hands and my feet. And some still did not believe. I like why they didn't believe, though. They did not, verse 41, but they still not believe for joy and marvel. They weren't, it, didn't really, it hadn't really settled in. They're like, yeah, I want to believe you. You ever been there? Like, I really want to believe this. Ah. And, and they marvel. Like, what is, and then he does, what's, why does he eat? Well, if your spirit, you guys remember Casper the Friendly Ghost? Okay, so basically, if he chews up some food and eats it, you're going to see how well he chews his food right here in the stomach. You know what I'm saying? It's all see-through. And really, that was kind of the belief. So he, he, chews, he takes some food and he eats it because it's just a, he's showing them, listen, I have, I have this body. Now, this body is interesting because something to do with the molecular structure in, 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 a, in a way atoms are held together. And he was able to pass through walls, but he still also had the same appearance. He still had some of the faculties, the function of the human body, but he also had this, this resurrection body capacity as well, which is very fascinating to see if you contemplate what our new bodies will be like, but nonetheless, he is just so patient. He eats food and Stands there in their presence, and then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Continuing there in verse 45, and he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. You need that, I need that, we need that. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So, they've received the Holy Spirit. Some discussion about whether did that happen in this event. I, 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 I'm not too concerned about it, because the instruction is still the same. Wait. They've received the Holy Spirit. Now we're going to go over to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. The disciples have received the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus is promising them the Holy Spirit. In verse 5, John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Remember, they've already received the Holy Spirit. Now track with me there. We understand there, there, there's a little variation in what you and I will experience. But So they've received the Holy Spirit, and now they're to be indwelt or overflowed or baptized. With the, it's a separate experience. 
for them. It was just, it's just something that's going to be different. And they're to wait. Notice it says in verse 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. This is the flow. This is really where we've been going all night in a sense. You shall receive power to be his witnesses. You shall receive power to, to have his strength. His strength for his disciples is the person of the Holy Spirit, of the triunity of God. And that's the power that enables us and empower, it gives us the ability to be witnesses, to be servants of his. So now they're waiting for it. We know in Acts 2, or continuing on through verse chapter 1, I mean, they, they wait in the upper room, they pray, they, uh, they kind of deal with this betrayer, how can we replace him? Maybe, maybe they actually went with an old school system called the old system. They, they cast lots rather than waiting to learn to hear from the Holy Spirit. A man by the name of Matthias was chosen, which we don't hear from again. But anyway, picking up in chapter two, the day of Pentecost has fully come. They were in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house that were sit- where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterances. So understand that this scenario does not have to be um, replicated or reproduced. In other words, we're just told what happened at that time. It was just like this mighty rend, and there's like these tongues of fire that settled upon, came upon them, and they began to speak with other tongues, which speaks is other languages. It'll go on to tell you. The key is it'll go on to tell you what was being said, and it basically they spoke of the wonderful works of God. They, they weren't doing, drawing attention to themselves like they're somehow more spiritual or whatever, because remember, we've already read that the Holy Spirit will not bring glory to himself, he'll direct attention to Jesus Christ. So it's not gonna be a spirit event that's more important than the words of Christ. Instead, what's happening is this is the fulfillment of the words of Christ. Peter stands up, gives this beautiful declaration, this, this um, sermon that just speaks totally of their need for salvation. And like 3,000 men come to Christ at that time. Carrying us over, well, actually in verse 41 of chapter 2, it says, those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And then they continued in fellowship, the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayers. Carrying us now over to chapter 4, we're getting close to the end here. Chapter 4, verse 8. Now, Peter, of course, was there back right after the resurrection, he was told to receive the Holy Spirit. He was told to wait until he received the power to be a witness. We see that he was empowered to be a witness, as were the others. So we would say he was baptized in the Spirit, as way some would say it, or filled with the Spirit at that time. So he's filled with the Spirit. He shares this message, and we see the fruit of God's presence and power at that time. And now we see in chapter 4, verse 8, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. And now he's going to speak again. And, and if you took the time and went through, you'd see like even in verse 31, they had prayed the place where they were shaken together, or together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So is it a one-time thing? 
So is it an experience that happens that enables you to be his witnesses in the world, to be his people? I say, yes, it, is, it does happen. It is a, 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 not just an exclusive one-time thing. But if we journey along to the right, continuing past Corinthians and Galatians and park ourselves in Ephesians, specifically chapter 5, and we look at verse 18, where we're told in Ephesians 5, in this exhortation to live the Christian life and our lifestyle reflected the love we have for Christ, do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. In Ephesians 5, it's, it's present tense continuous, if you would. Keep ye being filled. See, there's a need to keep ye being filled. It's just not like you, you, you get drained and run out, but it's the relational thing. Have you ever been, uh, have that person in your life that when you're around them, you're just, it just fills you? They're, they're, they just have that effect, you know, not just because of your personality types or whatever, but there's just something about that relationship. How much greater is that when the person is the God himself and the person of the Holy Spirit, where we're, we're, we're recognizing his presence, we're declaring our dependence. Do you, are you dependent upon the Holy Spirit today? I know, we have, I, know we, I know we all know to say yes, of course. Doctrinally, we totally get it. But, but day-to-day living, do we do it? Because most of the time we don't. I do because I'm a pastor, so I never do anything wrong, so it's different. <laughs> See, obviously there's so many times I'm, I have to make decisions, and I'm like, okay, man, I, I, I could get in the groove of making decisions, handling things, and I'm like, okay, am I depending upon the Holy Spirit? Because that's actually the worst thing that happens among Christians, in my opinion, is we become so comfortable and confident and aware of God's faithfulness and his work and what he's done in, in the past and in our lives that we stop conversing, conversing, we stop engaging, we stop, in a sense, reminding ourselves that I need him. And I know I can, I can pray it, I can say it, but do I practice it? And that's the important part, is learning to practice. Keep ye being filled, keep being filled with the Spirit. We need the power to serve. If Jesus needed the power, if his disciples in that generation needed that power, what are the odds you need it? pretty high, okay, like over the top high. We know we need it, and so why do people not ask for it? I think a few reasons. One of them, there's so much false teaching about it. There's so much that implies being filled with the Spirit, somehow God's going to take over your body and embarrass you in Walmart, and you're just going to start talking weird and acting weird and being weird and animated and all this, and seriously, some, so many things that people say, like, oh, then the Spirit did this and this, like, don't blame him for your silliness, seriously, because that's, it is, it's like, oh my goodness, that's not the Spirit, it doesn't glorify Christ, it doesn't elevate Jesus, it doesn't bring to remembrance his words, it's a human animation with a spiritual title, and not, some of this is not good. Now, I'm, don't get me wrong, I, I, I love expressions of the Spirit. Where I've seen, you know, like, I don't speak in tongues publicly, but my private language, I love the gift of tongues. It's really for me, in, in my personal experience, because it helps me to engage with God, but it's not something that I can use as a tool to somehow get closer, it's just a, power, it's a beautiful thing. Um, I've seen expressions of the Spirit, I've seen people, you know, but when God's glorified, it's different. And so sometimes people are just afraid of what might happen if they ask for the filling of the Spirit. I can tell you what's going to happen when it's a genuine work of God. Why can I say that so almost arrogantly, so confidently? 
because we just read it. He will empower you to be his witnesses in the world. He will empower you to do what he's called you to do, whether it's in the, within the family, within the workplace, within you know, just your outside circles of recreation and hobby and all these things. He empowers us to be his witnesses. We just got to remember we need him doing it. We got to have him. I, I want it. I don't want to get to where so many get. They walk with Jesus so long, they actually don't really need him anymore. They would never say that. But it, it's so easy for us to get to there. I need the Holy Spirit every day, and it's not my vocation. It's my previous condition. Before I was born again, I have this old nature that is, it's against the ways of Christ. And I need the power of the Holy Spirit to convict me of sin, to comfort me, to come alongside, to carry me. And it's not, I could say, it's not, so sometimes, well, it's pastor, you're different, you're a pastor. No, it's not. I mean, there's some things that are different, but I face maybe more battles in some ways spiritually, but his grace is greater. So it kind of washes out, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it doesn't, it's like, oh, well, he, a pastor faces this or a leader of that faces that. Yes, they do. But his grace is sufficient. And so when we recognize it's, it's, it's that those moments when we're the weakest that we rely on his strength the most, that we find ourselves saying, God, I need more of you. As we sing, I need thee, this very hour, I need thee. So let's stand together. I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna pray for each of us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and I believe when I pray that, I, I can't uh, speak for you, but I can speak words you may agree with. I believe that we need it in our culture, in our time, in our church, in our lives, to be living in such a way that we are empowered to bring glory to Christ. And we're not drawing attention to ourselves. We're just empowered to do his work. Let's pray. God, thank you for tonight, for your word. And we pray, Lord, I, I'll speak for myself, and I'm confident for many tonight. We need you, Lord. Oh, God, I don't even know how to ask. I, I just thank you for your word, which shows us that as we seek you, as we turn to you, as we respond, as we're willing to just simply hunger and want it, you told him to wait and you told him to, to, to just seek you. Ultimately, you've instructed us to obey. And that means declare, God, I need you. I need you for salvation, that I know I have this assurance, this confidence because of what you've done. I need you to show that to me and bring that to clarity in our minds, each one of us. We need you, God, to help us live this lifestyle that's an expression of your love, it's a result of your presence, and it's possible by your power. And so we ask, God, for that to take place. I pray you would just fill us with the Spirit to overflowing, that we, God, would not be pushed back by fear. We'd not be hanging back because of distractions, but we'd be drawn to your love in a powerful way that our lives would reflect your presence for your glory and for our joy. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Mm -hmm.